the Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is I, your host, Allison Kilkenny, flying solo this fine, fine Saturday, August 22nd. Just so you know what the date is, in case you don't have a calendar, or you're alone and confused, disoriented. What day is it? Where am I? Et cetera, et cetera. I hear you, I feel you, I see you, I acknowledge you. I woke up this morning, immediately want to go back to bed. No thank you, I don't care for it. But you know what? I have to do a show and I have to suck it up. And also I have a ton of recommendations that I want to get to. And uh, oh, don't worry, a lot of bad news. And uh uh-oh, a little good news too. Dare I say it? some actually good news. Uh, Not stories that I have had to manipulate through the art of mental jujitsu into making you or tricking you to believe are good news, which sometimes I have to do. Guys, occupational hazard. How are you all? I hope you're thriving this weekend. I hope you're treating yourself. You're doing something nice. Guys, if you're ever just having a really good day and you're like, I want to share good news with Allison, hashtag light trees and pod. Sometimes our good news can be personal. It doesn't have to be like a good news story political wise. It could be like, I had a really good day. I went for a walk. I ate my favorite meal. I punched an enemy in the face. Let me know. Hashtag light trees and pod. Guys, I feel like I had something to plug. Oh, I do. Uh, I was on a show recently called Electoral Dysfunction, hosted by Tom Brennan, the great Tom Brennan, with some favorites on the show. If you are a regular listener of mine, Keisha Zoller was on the show with me. She is a brilliant, hilarious comedian. That was very fun. I posted the link a couple days ago, I think. You should go check that out. Watch Electoral Dysfunction. Very fun show. I'm also supposed to say, guys, I have been told by Patreon that they are now offering annual memberships with a 16% discount, which I'm no math major, but 16% is more than 15%, and 15% is a lot, I've been told. So if you go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, you can now sign up for annual memberships at a 16% discount, which is pretty dang good. Guys, I apologize if I sound a little congested. I have no idea what's happening in my head right now, but there, I don't know how to describe this. My ear is clogged, so there is an echo happening in my head every time I talk, and it's very disorienting. So if I sound a little congested, I, again, something strange is happening to my body (laughs) and I don't know what it is. I went for a walk this morning, like a four mile walk. Does that make your brain shut down? I don't know. Is a doctor listening? If you can hear the sound of my voice, just DM me and be like, you're dying. And I'll be like, fuck. And I'll go to a hospital. Cool. Guys recommendations. Okay. And as per usual, if you ever have a recommendation where you're like, oh, Allison will freaking love this. 
Hashtag Light Treason Pod on Twitter. Let me know. I finally got around to watching I May Destroy You on HBO by uh, Michaela Cole, the genius Michaela Cole. It is exactly as good and as brilliant as everyone has been telling you, which is extra impressive because it deals with a very, very uh, complicated uh, issue. I guess not complicated, but the reason I'm using the word complicated is the premise of the show is that it's basically based on Michaela Cole's life, which is she is playing a character who's a writer, a creator. And one night she goes out and she's partying with some friends and she is sexually assaulted. And, and I know that sounds like uh, your classic comedy. And I have to say, it is a very funny show, which makes it extra impressive because the subject matter is so very serious. But it is a very funny show. The characters are great. The reason I use the word complicated is, uh, and I've never seen a show deal with this subject matter before, she is obviously dealing with the trauma of having been assaulted and trying to recover memories because uh, her, her drink was spiked and all of that stuff. But also her complicated relationship with her friends who were there with her the night she's assaulted, who either get frustrated with her and abandon her or sort of like turn the other way when they realize she's really fucked up. And maybe it wasn't such a good idea to leave her alone with a guy that she didn't know. So she ultimately has to deal with like those relationships as well. And that's not as clear cut as it sounds. Like obviously when you hear that, you're like, well, fuck those people because they left her. But it's more complicated than that. Uh, I will say huge trigger warnings for the show because they obviously show the sexual assaults in flashbacks. and I, I know that can be triggering for a lot of people. So obviously content warnings galore. But, you know, Michaela Cole's a genius. And I don't know, whenever I see her characters and her writing on television, I'm like, why is this so rare? Why has it taken this long? <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is racism. But like, once you see her writing on screen, it's like, oh, this is how people talk. Oh, yeah, these are real relationships. And everything I've seen before Michaela Cole was like bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. That's how I feel when I watch anything she does. I'm like, man, she's so talented. She's awesome. Uh, and I'm so glad that she had total creative control of... I may destroy you and now we get to see it and it's so special and it's a brilliant work of art and it's like yeah just get the fuck out of Michaela Cole's way just let her do what she wants to do she's a fucking genius so huge recommendation for I may destroy you uh Lovecraft Country started on HBO as well the pilot has only come out So obviously can't give a blanket recommendation for season one, but the pilot's so fucking cool, you guys. Uh, And what an achievement that the scariest part of Lovecraft Country are not the monsters, (laughs) but the fucking racists. Like to me, the scariest parts of that pilot are the clan and there's like a racist sheriff character 
and there is one of the scariest chase scenes I've ever seen, and it's a slow motion chase scene because the three central black characters can't speed in their car, obviously, because the sheriff will pull them over. So it's like a slow motion, (laughs) under 25 miles per hour chase that is so scary, and it's just really well done. Uh, And it's, it's really interesting to see black creators reclaim science fiction from a vicious racist like H.P. Lovecraft, who was a monster and unfortunately also a brilliant sci-fi writer. And it's really cool to see black creators take back that cool sci-fi legacy from him and repurpose it as you know, examining American culture from the black perspective. Uh, That is really cool. And then also, if you're just a fan of monsters, like, that's very, the special effects are amazing. Uh, Journey Smollett, is that her name? Guys, it's so early. Um, She is so good in it. Her outfits, yeah, Journey Smollett are so amazing. The only thing that I'll say is unrealistic is that everyone at all times should be looking at Journey Smollett going, you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And every time they're not doing that, I'm like, this is unrealistic. Because if she was walking around looking like that, literally everyone would be like, damn, her outfits are crazy. She looks amazing. She has hands down the funniest moment in the pilot that I won't spoil for you guys, but let me just say her character is reacting a thousand percent as she should in the moment, and it is so fucking funny. Uh, Yeah, I love it. It's not perfect, obviously. I feel like they were trying to fit a lot into the pilot. Like, watching the pilot, I was like, this is like three episodes, because I think they wanted to hook people really quickly. Listen... Uh, does every moment of editing make sense? No. Sometimes characters are suddenly doing things and you're like, what the fuck? Did did they take a scene out? What's happening? I don't know how we suddenly have Journey Smollett going on a road trip with them, guys. It's never really explained, but that's okay because she looks amazing in her pants. So we're going to let it go because she's got to be with them, okay? Uh, also... Let's get off viewing recommendations into listening recommendations, because I feel like I haven't recommended music in a while. Uh, fuck it. I like New Bright Eyes. I don't know why I said that like it was a contentious opinion. I honestly don't know how the new album, Down in the Weeds, Where the World Once Was, is being received by the American populace, but I listened to it this morning on my four-hour hike which sadly resulted in my brain shutting down and my right ear clogging to the point where I hear two voices every time I speak. I listened to the album during that walk and it's a good time. I really, really enjoyed it. So I highly recommend New Bright Eyes. Guys, back to viewing recommendations because that's all I have 
For music recommendations, I am in a music deficit right now. And ordinarily, I would say, send me music recommendations. But here's what happens when I ask for music recommendations. People send me bad music. And I realize music is a deeply personal thing. So I never like to say, hey, I hate this. But unfortunately, I don't know what it is about music. I guess music's just more subjective than any other kind of art. Is that fair to say? I don't know. When you guys send me TV and movie recommendations, nine times out of 10, you guys nail it. Because I think you know my palate. Sorry. Uh, Don't worry, I'm hitting myself. Uh, I think just because like, Maybe we talk about that the most on the show. I don't know. But it goes like this. Your your music and your TV recommendations, you slay. Book recommendations, pretty good. Music recommendations, not great, guys. Track record-wise, not good. So I don't ask for recommendations <laughs> anymore for that reason. Uh, but back to viewing. There is a smaller film, I believe on Amazon right now, called Yes, God, Yes, that is so good, uh, especially, and I was having crazy nostalgic 90s flashbacks, speaking of bright eyes, right, Uh, because it is a perfect 90s film. The references, the, the oeuvre, the, the atmosphere... They have nailed the 90s. It is about a girl who is attending a private Catholic school. Uh, The actress who is the protagonist is Natalie Dyer, who you know from Stranger Things. Um, But the the cast is stacked. Like, Timothy Simons from Veep is in it. Donna Lim Champlin is in it. Um, Really, really good actors. And it's basically about her, like, sexual awakening and the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church when it comes to sex. It's a really short movie. It's like an hour. So, like, a perfect little movie to watch. And Natalie Dyer gives an incredible performance. So much of the movie is just, like, her quietly reacting to things. Like, obviously, this is the 90s. It's the early days of the Internet. She goes into a chat room and has her first cyber sex experience, which is so funny. And it like 90% of that scene is just Natalie Dyer silently reacting to things she's reading and she's captivating in it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge Nancy fan from Stranger Things. It's not that I'm anti-Nancy. I just feel like they didn't ever give Natalie a lot to do on Stranger Things. And now she has a ton to do in Yes, God, Yes. She's fucking phenomenal, you guys. Uh, So if you, I was going to say if you like live that life in the 90s where you were like, I, I didn't go to a private Catholic school, but I was like in CCD, I was in Quest, all of those like Catholic school programs. I don't even think you need to have that background to appreciate the film. It's just, it's so funny. It's so endearing. Um, And every character is is pretty realized, I think. Uh, Pretty fleshed out, which is impressive because, again, it's only an hour long. And the, uh, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give anything away. Check it out. You can rent it now on Amazon. But it's getting a little buzz right now, you guys. So I would highly recommend checking it out. Also, 
This is a show that I started and I was obsessed with. And then it just kind of fell off my radar because I don't know why. Life, I don't have to fucking explain myself to you people. I liked it and then I just stopped watching it because I suck, all right? But I returned to it. I binge watched the last season. I love it so dearly in all its hipster trash glory. Search Party is so good. It's so good. Everyone is just top form in it. It's incredibly dark. The ending is absolutely batshit. It, it, here's the thing. If you watch Search Party and you're like, I find parts of it to be unrealistic. I don't want to party with you, okay? I don't want to hang out with you. Yeah, are the court scenes ridiculous? It would never happen in a million years? Of course. Are they hilarious and I don't give a shit? Yes. Just enjoy the fucking ride, you buzzkills. I am thinking of one critic in particular as I'm saying this. So I'm not just creating a fall guy, you guys. Not a straw man argument. Someone actually said this shit. And I was like, do you watch Search Party for like legal procedures that are accurate? Is that why you watch Search Party? Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, everyone's amazing. It is like very serious in parts. Um... Because it's about a fucking murder, so it kind of has to be, right? Uh, it gets very dark, and I don't know. I really love it. And I'm glad I returned to it because it was one of those shows that I had heard about the new season, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was such a cool show. Why did I just stop watching it? Truly don't know. Like, I'm sure if I went through my diary, I would be like, oh, right, deep trauma. Guys, deep trauma was happening, and I didn't watch Search Party for a little bit. My bad, everyone. My bad. I was healing mentally and spiritually. I'll, I'll keep watching the show. Yeah. I'm sure that was it. But, you know, shit happens. Uh, and then finally, but I can't emphasize this enough, guys. I could do an entire hour just on shit I've been watching because uh, the pandemic and I'm just home all the time watching shit and uh, I have no social life. So every moment I'm not working, I'm just watching stuff. Truly could talk the full hour about my recommendation list, but I won't. I won't subject you to it. And I want to save stuff for next week. So I'm going to say it. An American pickle is good. And I'm shocked because, I don't know, it just felt like not something I would enjoy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I saw the trailer and I, I like, you know, I like Seth. I like Seth Rogen a lot. I think he's very funny. But do I want to watch a full movie of him playing his own ancestor? I don't know. Is that something I want? And it turns out, yeah, pretty much. It is very, obviously very funny. Uh, but also very sweetly earnest, surprisingly so. And just when I thought it was getting a little too schmaltzy, it gets very dark, and which I like. I like a little bit of uh, acid bite, or it gets like too schmaltzy for me. And I think the balance of the tone is really good. I think it is such a deeply, deeply funny premise to think that your ancestor would hate you. <laughs> And it makes perfect sense to me because like, you know, thinking back to not that I knew them, obviously, but just real hard ass, deeply religious Irish people would fucking hate me. 
And the idea of meeting them and, and me hating them as well is very funny to me. So I love the premise. Seth does such a good job. He's, you know, you forget he's a good actor because he's a funny guy. And you forget that comedy is the hardest thing to do. Even though I do comedy, I think I would know that. But for some reason, everybody's like, drama is so hard. And it's like, no, it's not. Comedy's harder. So, of course, comedians can also do great acting. But this, like, I think gives him the most to do that he's had to do in a while in a film. Obviously, he's playing two characters. And uh, he's great. He kills it. And, yeah, so I highly recommend An American Pickle. Check it out. That was, like, a lot of HBO recommendations, I think, in this episode. Yeah, I May Destroy You, Lovecraft Country, and American Pickle. Listen, HBO's got the content lately. Not an ad. They would never give me money in a million years. Don't worry. Guys, that's enough recommendations. Again, if you have any recommendations, if they're not music, hashtag light trees and pod. Guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. Well, 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 I see I've put the Democratic National Convention in the bad news section. Just generally? No, specifically what I wanted to talk about was the fact that we are at this moment in time in our collective history in the year 2020 during a pandemic, during the the greatest wealth disparity uh, we've ever had in the United States. When millions of people don't have access to affordable health care, living wages, uh, affordable rent. And they gave AOC one minute to speak and invited sexual predator Bill Clinton to address everyone. Okay, that is a choice. One minute for AOC, who again represents millennials who are the future of the country, of Congress, represents poor people, working people, people of color. One minute. Sexual predator Bill Clinton uh, gets to, I don't know how many minutes specifically he got, but he was invited at all because uh, boomers are like, ah, I remember him. Yeah, he played the saxophone. Remember? Remember everybody? Okay, that is a choice. And then everybody was heaping praise on Joe Biden. And, you know, not to discredit his speech or to say, like, it wasn't good or anything like that. But I really think Trump has fucked up here. (laughs) And Joe is really benefiting from the gift of low expectations at this point because, you know, Trump loves to give everybody nicknames, uh, Crooked Hillary, Sleepy Joe, and Sleepy Joe was speaking to everybody always comments about how Trump is, you know, his brain is liquid and uh, he's just 
mentally unraveling every day. So in order to counter that narrative, he tried to portray Joe Biden as also being mentally inept. And what's so funny about that is now whenever Joe isn't and gives like a halfway decent speech, people are like, my God, is he a genius? And it's like, no, um, that was like an okay speech. But again, Trump has been calling him Sleepy Joe so long that people are like, he doesn't seem sleepy at all. My God, what else isn't true? So I think he's like fucked up a little bit <laughs> with the branding in that sense because it was a fine speech, but also can everybody calm the fuck down? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. The DNC in general is just... Again, Woodstock point, I was going to say Woodstock 2.0, but we already had that. Woodstock 3.0 for boomers, I guess. Uh, everybody's bored. We're stuck at home. It's like, oh, look, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, Billie Eilish. This kind of, this is fun. Are we having fun? Question mark. It was something to do for everybody. I get it. Uh, you know, the world's weird right now, but also who gives a shit? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I didn't watch any of it live, let me say. I watched clips at like four o'clock in the morning when I woke up disoriented because that's just how I sleep now, you guys. I fall asleep at 10. I wake up in a panic at two, fall asleep until four, wake up, watch clips on my phone, fall asleep, wake up at eight. And that's just been my routine for six months. I'm fine. But again, if anybody has advice about why I've lost hearing in my ear, um, at Allison Kilkenny. Thank you so much. So I don't know. I put DNC in the bad news. It's going to be interesting to see the RNC next week because I don't know if you guys have been following that whole drama. The RNC, the Republican National Convention, was supposed to ha happen in Jacksonville, Florida. And then the world ended and Republicans were still like, we reject science. We want to bring our disease to Florida. And Jacksonville was like, no, you can't. We're all dying. And so the RNC was like, oh, fine. And they went and they moved it. And now they are in, is it, it's one of the Carolinas, right? Let's see. But that was a whole negotiation, like, uh, and they really didn't want to, like, compromise on venues. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, that's right. Um, but now it seems like it, it's a very complicated result, but it might take place in several different venues. And it remains to be seen, like, who the actual speakers are or the acts. Trump apparently is just harassing people day and night because the DNC was received very well and he really, really wants to outshine them. So anytime he has an idea, he's like calling people in the middle of the night and being like, what if we did this? What if we did that? And at this point, it's just like a logistics thing. They don't have time. I don't know. I think it's just going to be a mess. I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, also in bad news, you guys. I want to yell at Christopher Nolan. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I love Christopher Nolan. I love his pretentious trash films. 
I love the suit porn. I love the fact that he has never gotten a good performance out of amazing actors. I, I know I sound facetious right now, but I love his films, even though they're so deeply flawed and he is just overpraised left, right, and center. I enjoy them. They're always a good summer blockbuster moment, et cetera, et cetera. I love Inception, one of my all-time favorite films. I will explain it to you if you didn't get it until you ask me to go away. That's my promise to you. So uh, do his films hold up logically? No. No, okay. So if you're going to send me a little think piece about how the Joker didn't make any fucking sense, I know. I don't care. Suit porn. Hashtag suit porn. The costume budget alone. Okay, we have to move on. Uh, But I do want to yell at him because I think it is unconscionable that Tenet is coming out. I don't understand how there aren't going to be lawsuits when people inevitably contract the coronavirus. (laughs) Can you imagine being such a Nolan fanboy that you are willing to risk contracting a deadly virus to go see Tenant, which I hate to tell you, is receiving okay reviews. Like they rushed. Here's how you could tell a movie's not going to do well. They invite their favorite critics, aka critics who like Chris Nolan, to early screeners, and then they rush the Rotten Tomatoes score, and they go, 88%, guys, it got an 88%, everybody loves it, everybody loves it, and then the other critics go to see it, and uh uh-oh, that score drops to 77%, which again, isn't bad, but they really wanted people to believe it's like a great film. I think it's going to be fine. It'll be like most of Nolan's films, which is, huh, that was interesting. There were a couple cool visual moments. And then you think about it more and you're like, oh, it doesn't make sense. But that's okay because, like, it was interesting. It was dour. um, And he basically has the same three characters in every film. Here's the thing. I haven't seen it, so maybe there is a cool Inception connection. But I'm like, you obviously just want to make an Inception sequel or an Inception prequel. Just do that. And fucking bring back the Inception cast. That's what everybody wants to see. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, But, and like, I really like Robert Pattinson. But that's Eames, right? It's just Eames. Anyway. So... I don't understand, and I'm sure that everybody has figured this out legally and, like, the theaters are protected, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't understand how there isn't going to be lawsuits (laughs) from this. And if I was Christopher Nolan, I don't know, unless I'm a total egomaniacal monster, dot, 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 I wouldn't want people to die trying to see my film. So I would be okay with delaying it indefinitely until there's a vaccine, Because if you've heard any epidemiologist speak on this matter, and they have actually, the AV Club very wisely interviewed some epidemiologists and just asked outright, is there any scenario in which it's safe to go see a movie in a movie theater right now? And hands down, every scientist they interviewed said no. 
no matter what they're doing with the air conditioning system, whatever kind of advanced filter they're claiming they're putting in the air conditioning systems, they cannot make it safe. So don't fucking go to a movie theater right now. That's the only way you can stay safe. And again, you can go and potentially be fine, but carry the virus asymptomatically and kill somebody else. So not even for your personal safety, although I want everybody to be safe, obviously, but you could give it to someone who gives it to someone and it kills them. To see Tenet, which again is getting fine reviews. And I know there are other movies coming out right now, but I don't know. I I still respect Chris Nolan as a filmmaker. I don't respect him as a person. I don't understand how you can watch this happen and be like, yeah, people should die to see my film. Like, go fuck yourself, dude. That sucks. That sucks. And you know what? There are dumb Nolan fans who will do it. And I'm not saying, nope, Allison, don't say it. Uh, that just sucks. It sucks. And I'm disappointed. And that's all. That's all I wanted to say on that. Also in bad news, guys, let's talk about the post office. It's where you go to mail your letters. I went this morning and I mailed my absentee ballot request form, which you're probably like, Allison, I thought you sent that out already. Oh, Dear listener, I did. I got it back from the New York Board of Elections because I didn't check a box. One little box on the form. So I had to check that box, send it back. So I had to go to the post office. Guys, I can't emphasize it enough. Figure out your voting shit so early this year because the fact that it took me that long to get back a form I sent weeks ago for them to be like, you filled it out wrong. I'm like, holy fucking shit. Thank God I did this all so early. But anyway, so I went to the post office this morning before I lost my hearing tragically. On Friday, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy uh, appeared before Congress. Uh, He was actually via a virtual hearing before the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. And he had to answer some questions about what the fuck's happening with the post office. And obviously the Democrats were way harder on him than the Republicans because, again, DeJoy was just basically a big old Republican donor, huge Donald Trump supporter. And they were like, hey, do you want to run the post office? And he was like, I'm totally unqualified. And they were like, that's okay. And then, weirdly, things didn't go well. Um, And they were doing mail slowdowns for budget reasons and all that stuff. But, of course, people were like, is this politically motivated? You know, even though a lot of USPS employees came forward and were like, well, no, actually, it is because of the budget cuts. The budget cuts themselves are politically motivated. So I think any way you'd go back to the source of all our problems, it's politically motivated. So uh, DeJoy basically just repeated the same old line. He said, you know, it's not politically motivated. It's, it's budgetary. I never personally spoke to Trump or Steven Mnuchin about the post office, blah, 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 blah. I mean, 
can you believe anything these assholes say? No. I, I truly believe everything is politically motivated with them. The fact that you would appoint someone like DeJoy in the first place is politically motivated. This guy has no experience with the USPS. He's just a big old Republican donor. That is a political decision. Of course it's all politically motivated. Of course it is. You dummies. All right. So, oh, yeah, I guess we should talk about Trump. Okay, so in an interview with Fox News uh, on Thursday, he was talking to Sean Hannity. Shocker. And he was basically talking about voting in November and said, uh, we're going to have everything. We're going to have sheriffs. We're going to have law enforcement. We're going to hopefully have U.S. attorneys. And we're going to have everybody and attorney generals. But it's very hard. Uh, so basically, he was talking about security at polling places and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have tons of cops. <laughs> Which, of course, um, is not comforting if you are, say, Anyone who has had a bad experience with the police, which more and more these days is a lot of people, but especially people of color, right? Like, not comforting to have the idea of an army of police officers at your polling place in your head. So, again, one of those Trump comments that I guess the veneer is security, but if you, if you think about it even for a few seconds, it's like, oh, that's a fucking threat. You just totally threatened millions of people with the idea that now the polling places are going to be uh, heavily patrolled by police officers, ya fascist. Um, so yeah, a, a pretty clear intimidation factor. And if you don't believe that reading, how about the fact that he just sent federal officers into several states to illegally detain protesters? This guy's a fascist. He uses the police, who are also fascist, as his little fascist arm so he can smash anything he doesn't like, which, shockingly, as people of color, protesters, anybody opposing him, uh, yeah, we, we know that Trump is scared about this election. It's why he's trying to get rid of mail-in voting, that's why he's trying to scare people away from the polls. So that's why I'm like, just get ready early, you guys. Uh, it is not like trying to read tea leaves to say that this election is going to be a huge clusterfuck. Uh, it's going to be really bad. So if you can vote early, if you can help people who are having a hard time voting, if you can like drive people to the polls, if you can like wait with them, if you can go volunteer and hand out like snacks or water bottles to people waiting in line, people are gonna have to wait hours in line to vote. It sucks, it's inevitable, and just be ready. All right, guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. Let's get to the good already. Here's your good news. Uh-oh, Steve Bannon got arrested. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. Guys, 
Have we fully appreciated the fact that the way Steve Bannon was arrested is truly the pilot episode of Arrested Development? He was on a boat. Federal investigators were involved. (laughs) They arrested him on the boat. Very, very funny to me. In my head, he was wearing a little captain's hat at the time. Um, He was arrested in connection uh, to this group, the We Build the Wall private fundraising effort that shockingly turned out to not actually be for building a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. It turns out a bunch of con artists just used the money for stuff like boats, jewels, vacations. They were just treating themselves, you guys. And yeah, there are are a bunch of con artists and they got busted. Supposedly, they collected more than $25 million. Prosecutors say Bannon himself used nearly a million dollars of it for personal expenses. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, you guys, but Doesn't it seem like a lot of criminals are involved with the Trump administration? Isn't Bannon like the sixth person involved? (laughs) It's so funny. Has either gone to jail or been charged with some kind of federal violation, whether it's, you know, actual uh, being a traitor, (laughs) espionage, nothing like, you know... The charges are all over the place, but it's like, you know, collaborating with Russia to just like defrauding U.S. citizens of a million dollars. They're so dumb. They keep getting caught. Like, I think I honestly think it's offensive when they're compared to the mob because the mob was a bunch of dumbasses, but they weren't this dumb. They were smarter. (laughs) These guys are so bad at crime. Uh, And I don't mean to laugh because they are doing a lot of damage and I don't want to like pretend like this is all harmless. It's not harmless. It's just also so funny how dumb they are. Um, But the best part now is that Trump is trying to claim that he doesn't know any of these people, which is so funny to me. Like, obviously, he can't claim he didn't know Bannon. Bannon (laughs) worked for his campaign. But every other person who was involved in We Build the Wall, at some point, Trump either tweeted about them or he was in a photo with them. Don Jr. went to an event for We Build the Wall. There are photos of Don Jr. speaking at this event. They all knew everyone involved with We Build the Wall. And now everything's falling apart. So Trump's usual MO is like, Oh, I didn't know. And it's like, yeah, you knew. You're a criminal. You surround yourselves with criminals. You think you're a mob boss, but you're too fucking dumb to actually pull off anything like a mob boss. So, yeah. I mean, if you really, really, really want to treat yourself, you guys, go and find the court sketch of Bannon. (laughs) Where he just looks like a Morton Joe on his worst day, you know, pre-getting the water. Uh, he's got his mask on. He's handcuffed. He's crying. 
it's so cathartic. You really have to enjoy the victories when they happen. And Steve Bannon handcuffed in a courtroom crying is, it cured my depression. My skin cleared up. I, I de-aged 20 years. My depression vanished. Um, night paralysis went away. It truly is an elixir. So I will, oh, and I don't plug this enough, but I will post the image at our Instagram. Light Treason News is also on Instagram. You should follow us there. Um, are we Light Treason Pod? God, guys, I'm bad at business. I, anytime I'm like, ooh, I should promote something. I truly forget. I'm checking right now. Hold, please. Hold, please. Um, but you should follow us over there. You should like our post. No, we're like trees and news. We're just like trees and news. Go follow us. Go like our posts. If you're ever like, I follow you and I never see your posts, it's because you don't engage with the post, motherfucker. Go like it, and then you'll see it more in your feed. Oh, and something that I never promote, because, again, I'm bad at business, if you could rate and review us, give us like a nice review on iTunes. You don't even have to write anything. Just give us all the stars. Is that five stars? God, I'm bad at this. Five stars. And just be like, good pod. That helps as well. Thanks, guys. Also in good news, the Golden State Killer, a.k.a. Joseph D'Angelo, was sentenced to many lives in prison, uh, the judge in the case imposed 11 consecutive life sentences without the chance of parole, plus an additional life sentence and another eight years. This judge was pissed. That's a long time. You're not getting out of jail. He's already very old. He's going to die in prison. Um, and the judge in the case said that they were very impressed by the courage of the victims who came forward and they got to give their victim impact statements. And Joseph D'Angelo had to sit there for all of them and listen to them. I was shocked when they sentenced him. Obviously, Joseph D'Angelo gets to say something. And he said, I listened to all your statements, each one of them, and I'm truly sorry to everyone I hurt, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not a lot, because again, he raped more than 50 women, he murdered 13 people, he terrorized the state of California for decades. Um, he is a sociopath, a monster, one of the worst humans, right? But I was surprised that he showed any remorse, mostly because I didn't think he was capable of it. And at this point, I really don't think that he believes there's any way for him to improve his own outcome. So I don't know why he would have said that unless he actually meant it. I don't know. Maybe there's some weird sociopath angle I'm not considering. Maybe he thinks that He'll get better treatment in jail if he seems to be more sympathetic. But I was, I truly was shocked he said anything about the victims or apologized. Like, that really surprised me, where I was like, oh, my God, maybe the victims got through a little bit? I don't know. Maybe that's me giving him way too much credit. Obviously, I want to give all the credit 
to the victims who have been so brave through this whole process, and I'm so glad they got to address him and say something uh, and make him, force him to, like, see them as people. Um, That's amazing. And obviously the judge was really moved by it. Uh, The judge said, I was moved by their courage, their grace, their strength, all qualities you clearly lack, he said. (laughs) (laughs) They just hate, this judge is Michael Bowman, and Michael Bowman clearly hates D'Angelo. I mean, obviously. Who doesn't hate Joseph D'Angelo? You gotta hate Joseph D'Angelo. He said, this is the absolute maximum sentence the court is able to impose under the law. And while the court has no power to make a determination where the defendant is imprisoned, the survivors have spoken. Clearly, the defendant deserves no mercy. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Uh, Joseph D'Angelo sucks. He's a fucking monster. I can't imagine what his family is going through. Like, can you imagine if this happened to your father or your uncle suddenly like the state of California descends upon them and is like, you are one of the worst monsters of all time. Like, I just can't imagine. That must be crazy. Anyway, you guys, that was for my true crime heads out there. Also in good news, a federal judge on Monday froze the Trump administration's rollback of Obama-era anti-discrimination protections for transgender patients, uh, citing a recent landmark Supreme Court decision awarding workplace discrimination protections to LGBTQ employees. So this is obviously good news, if if only temporary good news, but This was, again, the Trump administration being petty as fuck and trying to roll back another Obama-era anti-discrimination protection for their favorite, favorite victimized minority group, transgender people. They love to attack transgender people because they know their dumb as fuck base is... I mean, just generally transphobic, but also very ignorant and doesn't actually know anything about transgender people or what being transgender means. And know they know that they get scared very easily. <laughs> and so it's one of those third rail issues that they're like, well, we know this fucking scares you and confuses you. So uh, let's just present transgender women as being cis men who are going to attack you in the bathroom. And just hope that you're too dumb and ignorant to actually look into that beyond the little soundbite we just gave you. And hope you go after this victimized minority group that poses no threat to you. Just because... Just because I guess they're the cause of all of your problems and woes in your life. Transgender people are the reason that you don't have living wages. Transgender people are the reason that you don't have affordable health care. Did you know? It's true. Better attack them. Like, it's just one of those dumb issues that Republicans get very worked up about. Because they don't fucking understand it. Anyway. U.S. District Court Judge Frederick Block halted the new policy one day before it was slated to take effect and admonished the Trump administration for pursuing the change after the Supreme Court ruling. Um, So 
Block's 26-page order focused on the Supreme Court's 6-3 decision from June that extended civil rights protections to employees based on their gender identity or sexual orientation. He specifically questioned the Trump administration's decision to advance its rewrite of the Obama policy without considering the impact of the Supreme Court decision. <sighs> so yet another judge handing the Trump administration their own ass, being basically being like, what the fuck is this? What is this? So again, that's why I'm saying temporarily good news because, you know, it's the court's these things can go back and forth. But a lot, a lot of courts, a lot of judges have tried to stop the Trump administration from doing heinous things. So thank you, courts. Some courts, some judges. Thank you. And then finally, it would not be a good news section without Allison being a little petty. So I have to put... In the good news section, the fact that James Blunt developed scurvy after he adopted an all-meat diet to assert his masculinity. Oops, you got scurvy, James. Uh, you probably remember James Blunt from writing a song 15 dang years ago called Beautiful. And he got very, very famous. And recently he was dating uh, a, a woman. And she was either vegetarian or vegan. And uh, he, did they break up? Did she dump him? I forget. Let me see. His journey, don't you hate when an article is written badly? I do. Blunt claims that he ate almost nothing but meat and condiments for two months while studying aerospace manufacturing, engineering, and sociology at the University of Bristol in the mid-1990s. Uh, the eccentric diet was part of an effort to assert his masculinity as some of his degree classes were dominated by women. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought it was even more personal. It's not. I thought he was dating a vegan or vegetarian who dumped him. He was just pissed off at women. Guys, if James Blunt had not written Beautiful, he would be a full incel. So he said, on the sociology side of things, there were 170 girls and only three boys, of which all the girls were vegetarians or vegans. So out of principle... I decided I'd become a carnivore and just lived on mince, some chicken, maybe with some mayonnaise. And it took me about six to eight weeks <laughs> to get very unhealthy and see a doctor who said, I think you've got the symptoms of scurvy. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I wish all little sad, pathetic misogynists developed scurvy. Ooh, maybe that could be the, if all women... If all people who identify as women become vegetarian or vegan, maybe all incels will go pure carnivore and develop scurvy. Have we never considered this line of attack? My God, I think maybe we should get on it, female identifying people. I think we should all become vegan or vegetarian in order to take down incels with scurvy. That is my proposal at the end of this episode. 
If you agree with it, if you support it, if you will commit to it, hashtag Pod. I can't believe the thing that drove him to this was the fact that there were a lot of women in his classes. I truly thought it was that he dated somebody and they like dumped him. And he was like, I'll show you, vegan. Which, by the way, happens more than you think. And it's hilarious. Because you're truly just hurting yourself. Your heart is going to shut down. And I'll be laughing. I'll be at the funeral laughing the whole time. Uh, guys. Thoughts, questions, concerns, hashtag like pod. If you're a fan of the show, if you enjoy the fact that you didn't hear any commercials in this episode, it's because we're 100% listener supported. You pay for the whole dang show. That includes whenever I have a co-host on the show. They are compensated financially with money. Can you believe it? Lighttreason.news. You can smash the donate button there. If you want bonus episodes, if you're like, uh-uh-uh, Allison, I want more content if I'm going to send you my hard-earned dollars, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. There are bonus episodes up there. There will be more bonus episodes up there because Charles and I are not yet done going through my Excel sheet with conspiracy theories and dissecting them and talking about them. It's a whole journey. Don't miss it. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. One last gentle reminder, you can sign up for annual memberships now at a 16% discount. If that's just easier for you to get the one payment out of the way, now you get a discount, which is pretty cool. I'm glad they're offering that now. You can follow me everywhere. Unfortunately, I'm extremely online at Allison Kilkenny literally everywhere. Twitter, I have a Facebook fan page. I'm on Instagram, all that good stuff. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 